0: hello everybody it's me daniel again and i am here to bring the word of god to all of you but before we open up the scriptures i first want to remind you that we have a document down below that you could download that you could print that you could use it is a fill in the fill in the fill in the blank type of notes where you just fill in the blanks we will have slides going on that could help you fill out those links, And it's just a great tool to use as we go through this Bible study. We want to make sure that you retain the information that we present to you today. Today, we will be going through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. As I mentioned in the beginning of this live stream, we are going through certain passages that Luke has written. We're starting today at the end of the Gospel of Luke. And next time we meet, we will to start at the beginning of Acts and a little bit more at the end with the Ascension, but it's going to be a good time. And I know that I could have preached another message, especially since today is Easter Sunday and we find ourselves in a weird situa- situation. I could have bring a message that is explicitly comforting, but I believe that the resurrection is is a message uh, that brings us comfort it is a good message it is a good message when there is a pandemic and when there's not a pandemic so i am excited to bring to you today from luke 24 the resurrection message i hope that today we will become confident of the resurrection that jesus christ did rise from the dead, that we will become confident or at least know how two disciples became confident of the resurrection. I pray that we will learn the significance of the resurrection. If Jesus Christ did rise from the dead, what does that mean to me? What is the significance of that? And third, I pray that we we will respond to the resurrection. Those are my goals for today. And as I mentioned before, we will be reading from Luke. 24 at the end of the gospel of luke i will will be reading from the niv so if you have your bibles open it up if you just want to look at the screen you can do that it will be available at the screen so again from luke 24 verses 1 through 31 it is a lengthy passage but it is such a good story so please read along with me verse 1 of luke Do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back to the tomb, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? Verse 19, What things, he asked, about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But they did not see Jesus. He said to them, How foolish you are and how slow to believe all the prophets, all that the prophets had spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached, to, approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening, the day is almost over. So he went to, in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we have read your word today. We have read concerning the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We discover today that Jesus is not among the dead, but he is among the living And I pray that today we may gain confidence that this is true. That you, Jesus, have risen. And I pray that we may understand the significance of that. What does that mean? And I pray that we may respond to that, Lord. Help us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Today we read... Luke 24. In Luke 24, we find an amazing story that begins with these disciples who were women and they went to the empty tomb. They went to honor, give respect. It's something similar to what we do. We may go to a great site of the loved one and put flowers. These disciples went with spices, with oil to honor Jesus. But when they arrived, they noticed something different. They noticed that the tomb was empty. And suddenly, two angels appear who who tell them, Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Jesus has risen. The women remember the words of Jesus that this was supposed to happen. They go back to the disciples. They share what had happened. The disciples were in disbelief. Peter, however, went to check it out, and he also found the tomb empty. Nevertheless, we see that the disciples remain sad. They remain in mourning. We see this with the two disciples that were on the road to Emmaus. And this entire scene is somewhat humorous, comical, ironic, because they're mourning over Jesus, and then this figure appear. They They see this figure, and he is a stranger. But it is no one else except for Jesus Christ. They see Jesus, but yet they don't really see him. They don't recognize him. Jesus asked the disciples what's going on, what happened, and the disciples begin to share that there was this prophet from Nazareth, his name was Jesus, and he did great things, and he said great things, but but our religious leaders killed him. we hoped, that means, that that is in the past tense, that He was the Messiah, that He would restore the nation of Israel. But He died. And Jesus looks at them and calls them foolish for having this belief system, for seeing things in this way. He calls them foolish and He begins to show them from the Scriptures that this, that the suffering, that the Messiah had suffered, had underwent, had experienced, was supposed to happen. He opens, he begins with Moses, he goes to the prophets, and he shows us. And still, in this on this journey, the disciples don't believe. They don't recognize Jesus. Maybe they think it's a good story, but they still don't see the risen Christ. But when they ate with Jesus, they recognized that the one who was with them was no other than, no person except for the risen Christ. Let us unpack this text a little bit more. In the beginning, we remember that this occurred on the first day of a new week. This occurred on a Sunday. And I believe that this is significant because by resurrecting on a new week, God was saying that he was starting a new creation. You may think that it's far-fetched, but when you begin to think about weeks within the Scripture, when you open up the Bible and you go to the first page, you will find the first week. And within that first week, we know the story, most of us. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and then it goes day by day. And the first day, God said, let there be light, and there was light. And this happened in the first day in six days. God created the heavens and the earth, ordered everything. And on the seventh he rested. This first week is known as the first account of the first creation. But Jesus Christ resurrected on a new week. That means that the first creation, that occurred in Genesis 1. But what we're seeing in Luke 24 is a new creation. That takes place in a new week. There's the old week. And it ended, but now there's a new week with the resurrection of Jesus. Look at what St. Augustine says about this. St. Augustine wrote this. He was a theologian early on with the church uh, about the 5th century, 4th century, and he wrote this. The day of the resurrection is the eschatological eighth day, which ushers in the new creation represented by the new week for the shameful embarrassment of Jesus' crucifixion and the horror of his death are now surmounted as light banishes darkness at the dawn of this new day, the first day of the new era of salvation. You see, in the first creation, humans messed up. We sinned. We failed. We went into this bad way this bad road we messed up we see confusion we see evil we notice it in our daily lives we notice it when we look at governments we notice when we look at communities and civilizations at humans we know that there is something wrong and that has occurred under the first creation starting with Adam and Eve and ever since then because of sin people have died and Jesus Christ, He took away the sins of the first creation on Good Friday. He died a shameful death. He took away the consequences of the first creation. So that on The resurrection, he would inaugurate. That is just a fancy word for start. He would launch. He would begin a new creation. The consequences of the old creation have been dealt with in Jesus. In the death of Jesus. And now we are able to experience a new creation. In other words, the resurrection brings a new creation creation. Augustine also said, just to put it in a different perspective, that day which both, the, which is both the eighth and the first represents eternity. It is that day which we abandoned at the beginning by sending in our first parents and so came down into this mortal state and also the last and as it were the eighth day to which we again look ahead after the resurrection. Once our last enemy Death has been destroyed. Only then will the perishable thing put on the imperishability and this mortal thing put on immortality there is good news with this new creation we, The sins, the mortality that came with death with sin have been dealt with within Jesus. And while yes, we are still influenced by sin. Yes, we are still in this in between place with the old creation and the new creation, but we are learning to live in this new way of life that Jesus has begun, that Jesus has taught about while he was in his earthly ministry and while he resurrected to and by resurrecting on this new week, We have entered a new era, and we should be excited for that. It's just amazing. Amazing to just think about God's wisdom and how God was so deliberate and specific to choose the resurrection to take place on a Sunday, on a new week. God could have chosen it to happen any day, but he was so wise to orchestrate everything so that on a Sunday, on a new week, Jesus would resurrect. And I'm also amazed by God's wisdom and how he chose his first witnesses to be women. Maybe you have heard about, from critics and from skeptics of the Bible that the authors of the New Testament, especially those who wrote the gospel, they fabricated, made up a story concerning the resurrection. Maybe you have heard that Jesus didn't really resurrect and that Luke was just making up a story so that he could influence and persuade the masses of this new religion. Maybe you have heard that. But when I think about the culture, when I think about who Luke was writing to, it just doesn't make sense. You see, in the Roman culture, in the Roman culture, Women were viewed as secondary citizens, second-class citizens at best. Their testimony was invalid, was discredited. Look at what Josephus wrote. Josephus was a Jewish historian during the time of Jesus Christ, and he wrote this. I'm not saying I don't condone this. I totally condemn this sexist rhetoric, 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 but it is a great depiction it is a great reflection of what that culture viewed regarding women. He wrote this, but let not the testimony of women be admitted on account of the levity and boldness of their sex. So Josephus here is saying, look, because of the sex of women, because of just because women are female, don't believe them. That was a reflection of the Roman of the Roman culture. Yet Luke wrote that women were the first witnesses. If he was making up a tale, if if he was making up a myth to persuade the masses as the skeptics assert, if Luke was trying to do that, he should have not written that women were the first witnesses. Instead, he should have written that men were the first witnesses. But Luke wrote. He did not write that men were the first witnesses. He wrote that women were the first witnesses. Luke wrote that women were the first witnesses, not because he was making up a story, but because he was writing what actually took place. Luke chose to write that woman witnessed the empty tomb because that is how it happened luke was not writing a myth or a tale luke was writing history timothy keller puts it this way he summarizes the point why invent women as the first witnesses of the resurrection in a society where women were assigned such low status that their testimony was not admissible evidence in court it would have made For more sense, if you were inventing the tale, to have male pillars of the community present as witnesses when Jesus came out of the tomb. The only plausible reason that this incident was included in Luke is that it actually happened. And I also believe that by God choosing that women, choosing women as the first witnesses of the empty tomb, God was teaching us that the testimony of women is as valid as the testimony of men. Women, the disciples, go to the other disciples, the eleven and the other disciples, and share what just happened. They view, the disciples viewed, as N.T. wrote, they viewed this message as just stupid, useless talk. But of course, they would have viewed it in that way. If somebody came to you, told you that a loved one whom you saw be buried, that that tomb was empty, you would be in disbelief. You would also see it as stupid talk. That is how the disciples saw it. And you see that they continue to be upset. They continue to be confused. And you see that with the two disciples who are on the road to Emmaus. One of the disciples we know is Cleopas. The other one, some have assumed or believed to be Cleopas' wife. We don't know for certain, but it could be a possibility. And they are walking, maybe back home in Emmaus from Jerusalem, which is about seven miles away. And they are walking and suddenly, as I mentioned before, they see a figure. They see him, they see this person, but they really don't see him. For some reason, they can't recognize him. This person was Jesus Christ that they saw. And they begin to share about their sadness, their sorrowness, their confusion. They begin to share that there was this prophet from Nazareth. He did great things. He did miracles. He healed. He forgave. And he taught wonderful things. He taught about forgiveness. He taught about how to live a better life, the the godly life. He taught that. He could remember the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes. He taught wonderful things. And yet, they did not believe him. Rather, they killed him. And they believed. The disciples hoped, the Bible says, hoped in the past tense. That Jesus was more than just a prophet. They hoped. Because with the death of Jesus... Their hopes of him being more more than just a prophet had also died. Jesus, however, begins to give a Bible study. He opens up the Bible, and the Bible tells us that he started with Moses. Maybe he referenced Genesis 3.15. Genesis 3.15 is categorized with the writings of Moses. Genesis 3.15 in the NIV says, and maybe you know the context, God here is speaking to the serpent, and it is after the fall, and he is saying, God, and I, God, will put enmity, that means separation, between you, the serpent, and the woman, and between your offspring and hers, he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Maybe Jesus quoted this passage when he was giving Bible study to the disciples. And I, maybe he did quote this passage because we, here we find a beautiful picture of the offspring of a woman. That means the human one that comes from a woman will destroy the evil powers of the serpent, of evil. And while he is doing this, His heel will be struck. So there is a sense of, yes, the son, the offspring is destroying the evil. But at the same time, this serpent is somewhat hurting this offspring. And I believe this is a prophecy of what we see at the cross. Because at the cross, we see Jesus. He is being victorious he is winning the fight he said it is finished he is winning at the cross but at the same time you see him suffering he is bleeding blood from his head he is pierced he is crushed he is suffering but at the same time he is victorious maybe jesus when he was giving this bible study to the disciples we don't know for certain but we know that he in addition to using the writings of Moses, he used the writings of the prophets. Maybe he quoted Isaiah 53. Many of us know this passage. It is a very popular passage. And in the NIV, if we go to Isaiah 53, it says, He But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, the punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Verse 7. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent. So he did not open his mouth. Here we see This is a story about a suffering servant. We see a servant who is taking the sins, absorbing the sins of God's people, but at the same time, he is suffering. Maybe Jesus referenced the entire Bible, all what what Moses had written, and all that the prophets had written. Maybe he used the meta-narrative of the Hebrew Bible to talk about how it was necessary for the Messiah to suffer. Someone needed to absorb the sins of humankind for the inauguration. Remember that it just means beginning or launch of the new creation. After this wonderful Bible study that Jesus gave, it was probably the best Bible study because it came from the master teacher. The disciples, they were probably amazed, but they still didn't recognize who Jesus was. They didn't recognize the person who was in front of them. And I, I, I think we could all find ourselves in a similar position. We find ourselves in a place where we may hear the gospel, hear the good news, hear about how Jesus had to suffer. And yet we may not get it just as the, these disciples. This the journey that the disciples were on may be a journey that we may all find ourselves in at one point or another. And we may find ourselves with disbelief because it is a hard message to really fathom, to understand, to believe in. Look look at what Tim Mackey says. How could it be that the good news of Jesus Christ, that is the gospel of Jesus Christ, includes Jesus dying a shameful execution? How could a humble man be king through weakness? and self-sacrifice. It is very hard to see, but that is precisely what the gospel teaches. The disciples didn't see it. How could it be that this king, this messiah who would restore Israel would die a shameful death? How is that possible? And if you're hearing it now, it probably sounds really hard to believe. When you think about a king, you think of that king to be glorious. Coming in with a big horse, but Jesus came doing it backwards. He came with a donkey. It is a different type of kingdom, upside down. He, instead of immediately being glorified, yes, he is glorified, and yes, he's very glorious, but at the same time, he died a shameful death. Fortunately, in the story, we do find that the disciples have that tipping point. Luke 24, 32, 31. We have read this, but here is where we find the tipping point. They invited Jesus to eat. And it says, When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. Over church history, artists have attempted to depict this theme. The first one here is by Caravaggio. Here we find that there are elements on the table. And we see Jesus as well, but there's an emphasis on the, the symbols that are on top of the table. Here we see fruit, which is supposed to remind us of the Garden of Eden and how, the, how our first parents sinned. We also see bread, which should remind us of the body of Christ, which was broken for us. We also see wine, which should remind us of the blood of Jesus that he had shed for us. And we also see the lamb who, that was slain, which should remind us of how Jesus was the sacrificial lamb who took upon the, who took upon himself the sins of all humanity and who was slain for his people and Jesus he connects all of this he is the center he connects all of these images together this next image is simpler but it's still powerful here we see Jesus there's not there's no food on the table but there's an emphasis on him and that there and you can note that there, there is light emanating from him coming from him and this uh, this artist his name is Rembrandt. For Rembrandt, Jesus is the light and he shines in the darkness. Let us reflect on what just, what we just have, what we've experienced. Focus on the disciples for a little bit. The disciples, they, the two disciples, they heard the testimony of the woman. They're on this journey, the spiritual journey. I, I, I think we could find ourselves in that spiritual journey as well. Maybe you hear the testimony just as the disciples heard. And just like the disciples, you don't believe. The disciples, they, they, they heard the testimony of the woman. They didn't believe. They heard the testimony of Peter. They didn't believe. And then they got the best Bible study that they could have ever received. And they still Didn't believe. I find ourselves, every disciple of Jesus, every student of Jesus, finds him or herself on this journey. You find yourself on this journey and maybe you hear testimonies of how people have encountered the empty tomb. Not literally, but they have encountered the risen Christ. And they know that Jesus is real. Maybe you hear it and you just get confused. You're like, that sounds good, but I don't know. Maybe you hear a wonderful Bible study. Somebody came to you, opened up the scriptures and explained to you. And yet you find yourself like the disciples. You hear their tes- testimony. Don't believe. You don't believe. You hear the Bible study and you don't believe. You find yourself as just like the disciples. The disciples fortunately had a tipping point. They had this tipping point in an ordinary setting. Yes, it could have happened in an extraordinary setting, but this happened in an ordinary setting and it happened while they were eating with Jesus Christ. We need to get to a point, every disciple of Jesus, we find ourselves in different walks, but we need to get to a point where we No. Not just intellectually. Not just the stories of what other people have shared. Not just the testimonies. Not even just the Bible knowledge. The disciples heard the testimonies, had the Bible knowledge from the best teacher, and yet they were still in need of that tipping point, where they would know, not just intellectually, but personally, that Jesus Christ has risen. And just as the disciples encountered that in the ordinary, you can encounter that in the ordinary. Yes, it could happen at a church service. It could happen in the extraordinary. It could happen through a testimony. It could happen through a Bible study. But do not despise the power of the ordinary because through the ordinary, Jesus revealed himself through to his disciples. This could happen. The ordinary could be maybe right now you just pray. Maybe before you go to sleep, you pray. Maybe you, before you eat, you pray. Maybe you open your Bible and you just read and you Recognize that Jesus has risen, and it's not just head knowledge, but it's something that your heart knows. It could happen to the ordinary. It could happen maybe when you have fellowship with the body of Christ. Maybe you're just out eating, and you're socializing, and you just see Jesus within his body, who are God's people, the church you recognize Jesus has risen. Maybe it does happen at a church service or a conference. But just get to the point where the the tipping point has occurred. Where you know for yourself that Jesus has risen. When you know that Jesus has risen, you begin to see the significance. You begin to recognize that our Savior, our King is alive. And because He is alive, we could connect with Him today. It's not just something that He did long time ago. Because He has resurrected, we could grow in our relationship with Him. We could talk with Him today. We also know that He is true to His Word. He said that he would resurrect on the third day after he, would, after he died. And guess what he did? If somebody were to tell me that they would do that, I would be in disbelief. And if they did it, whoa, that person is true to his or her word. And Jesus was true to his word. If he has told you something, trust that just as he was true to fulfill that he would resurrect, he will be faithful. To fulfill what he has told you. And I know that from the scriptures, he has said that if you are in him, if you are in him, you have eternal life. Thus, if you are in him, trust that you have eternal life. The resurrection also teaches us that he is, Jesus is, victoriously king. He is supreme over death. He has dealt with death. Look, death has a rule over all of us. Sin has a rule over all of us. And Jesus, he showed us that the ruler of all of us, death, that he is superior to death. He is higher. He is greater than death. His rule is not bound by death. He is victoriously king. And because we are in him, as we believe, as we grow in him, we are also learning to be kings or be be victorious over sin and over death. And because he is victoriously king, he is worthy of worship if there is anything that is worthy of worship it is God and let me tell you Jesus is worthy of worship because he has defeated sin he is worthy of worship he has his rule is greater than the rule of any king and it is greater than the rule of death Jesus is also through the resurrection and I mentioned this in the beginning Jesus is continuing the ministry that he begun in his earthly ministry, he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom, and he taught about it, the kingdom of God is like this, the kingdom of God is this, so on and so forth. And, he, and if you look at Paul, you'll see that there's also a new creation, restoration. And through the resurrection, as it is, because as we learn through it happening on a new week, we understand that there is a new creation coming and that he has begun it. It's not fully here. We still see the effects of the old creation, of the first creation, but it has begun. And we, we the church and the people of God, we recognize that we are not bound to that old way, that we are learning to live as Jesus taught us. And that is part of the new creation. That we learn to love our enemies, to be kind to those who hurt us, that we show love to the least of these. That is part of this new creation, that we live the ethic, the teachings of Jesus Christ, that instead of being guided by sin, by hate, we are guided by Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, by love. So how do we respond? We connect to Jesus today. We become confident. We're all on this journey, but we need to reach a tipping point where we know that Jesus has risen and that could happen through the ordinary and the extraordinary. Make sure that you pray, make sure that you connect with them and know, not just intellectually, but personally that God has risen has risen Jesus Christ. Know that Jesus Christ is King, that he is worthy of worship. So one of the things you could do at right after this is just say thank you Jesus for what you have done. Just praise him. And lastly, we are called to continue the work that Jesus has begun. He's restoring this earth and he has called us to do that, to show what the kingdom of heaven looks here what this new creation looks like and next time we meet hopefully it's in person if not i'll meet you online again but next time we meet we will talk about the ascension and talk more about the last words of jesus that teaches us about the kingdom and more in depth of what the new creation looks like and how we can contribute but for now let us pray as we are dismissed Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. We have learned about your goodness, about the resurrection, and I pray that we have at least learned that well, yes, we find ourselves on this journey, and yes, maybe we've heard testimonies before or Bible studies before, or maybe we haven't heard anything and we've just begun this journey, and I'm so thankful for everyone and wherever you that they find themselves, I'm glad, God, that you have brought them thus far. But I pray, Lord, that they may recognize that there needs to be a tipping point. There needs to be a point where they recognize that Jesus has risen. That this isn't a tale, but this is a reality. And it's not just a reality that should be confined to our heads, but a reality that should also exist within our hearts. And this could happen through the ordinary and the extraordinary, Lord. Let us Be open to that. Let us recognize that we could talk to you today. Let us recognize that we could grow with Jesus today. Let us recognize, Lord, that you are king, that you are our savior. Lord, let us worship you. And finally, God, let us continue the work that you have begun. Let us bring heaven here. Let us Live in this new era of salvation, in this new creation that has been inaugurated because of the resurrection of Jesus. I love you, God. And I pray that these people may know more about Encounter Church as you want them to know. Jesus, we love you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for tagging along um, if you have any questions feel free to contact us. I'm sure you've noticed that we've been on the chat box talking to you guys um, if you had any questions. But thank you so much for joining us and I, I pray if, if you have any praise reports or anything that you want to share, email it to us. It'll just'll we'll rejoice with you guys. But for now, I pray that you guys be blessed and be blessed and just have a wonderful Sunday the Sunday of Resurrection. God bless you.